Welcome to Talent Hub Talk. I'm Ben Duncan, and on this podcast, I will be interviewing prominent and inspirational figures from both the local ANZ and global Salesforce Ohana. In today's episode, I am joined by Vanessa Grant. Vanessa is a Salesforce solution architect working out of the US. And through the episode, we heard more about her early career and how she found her way into the Salesforce ecosystem, which in fact was actually on the business side before she became a Salesforce professional over the last few years. We discussed why the Salesforce business analyst was the role that appealed to her initially, what she thought a BA did and what a BA actually does. And then whether or not anyone can become a good BA and how important the Salesforce technical skills or platform knowledge is for anyone looking to work as a BA on a Salesforce project. We then explore career progression and her recent move into a solution architect role and whether or not she feels more career motivated or whether or not there's a higher expectation for career motivation and development in the Salesforce ecosystem with the expectation of people getting certifications and with the ongoing learning requirements with releases and things like that. We look at the solution architect role and whether or not that was a move she was concerned about making and how her business has supported her. And then we also discuss how she's thrown herself into the Salesforce ecosystem and some people and groups that have helped along the way. So for anyone that is looking to make a break in the Salesforce ecosystem, I definitely recommend following Vanessa on LinkedIn and Twitter and connecting with her and she's very willing to give back and share her insight. So I hope you enjoy the episode. And if you do, please do subscribe for future episodes that are coming through. So Vanessa, thank you so much for joining us. Really excited to have you on the show. I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Now, you have quite the following now on different platforms, and I think a lot of people in the Salesforce ecosystem will have seen you and what you've been up to in the Salesforce world more recently, things like your trip to Dreamforce and and things like that. So let's start looking back and and looking at kind of life before Salesforce. Can you give us some insight into what you did before you kind of found your way into the, the Salesforce world and then how you did find your way into becoming a Salesforce professional? Sure. I started out in a SaaS organization in a business operations capacity. And a big part of that role was often overseeing the data that was in our CRMs, mostly just because we did a lot of contracts and I oversaw the customers. And it was very startup-y when I first got there. So really taking it from Excel sheets, as we all do when we're first getting into startups, to seeing the information in the CRM. I had uh, overseen the data in Goldmine, in SalesLogix. And around 2010, the company I was working for acquired two other companies. One of them brought Sugar CRM, so got exposed to a third one. And then the last one brought Salesforce. And I was on the task force that had to decide what was going to be the unified CRM for the company. And when I saw Salesforce, it was absolutely love at first sight for me. It was I'd always kind of seen CRMs as kind of a glorified Rolodex. I mean, I don't know if I'm dating myself a little bit there, but it it was the first time that I saw Salesforce as a platform so that it could do more than just keep track of contacts and activities, that it really could solve a lot of the business problems that I was solving using other methods. I could could just use this this one thing in, in my business operations role. And From there, I guess I was kind of an accidental product owner for a bit. I will say when we did make those acquisitions, we also 
lost part of the company and the IT department went with it. So I was informed that my team were going to be the administrators and developers and everything for Salesforce. So I homegrew my own admin. I ended up homegrowing my own dev and kind of figured it out back in the Salesforce classic days. So I was, I would say uh, a pretty enthusiastic Salesforce customer for a while and even went to Dreamforce a couple of times in more of a customer capacity. And then a, a little later on in my career, I would say really, actually fairly recently in the last couple of years is really when I, I made the pivot to going into Salesforce full-time is, and focusing on it as my full-time career, as opposed to it just being, you know, like my favorite tool in my tool belt, but being more of a business operations person. So what, what was behind that decision? Like, was it you realized you had some skills in, in the Salesforce space or, or you saw the ecosystem growing and felt, you know, I, I feel I could be involved in that? What, what kind of gave you the, the push to, to become a, a Salesforce professional? I always loved CRM. And I, like I said, I, I fell in love with Salesforce, but having worked with admins and devs and seen some of the complicated things we had done, I felt like I might not be technical enough for a Salesforce career. And so after I had left that SaaS organization, I I was kind of trying to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up. And Salesforce just seemed not a good fit because I thought it would require a lot of technical skill that I didn't have. I kind of took a little bit of a detour being a DocuSign consultant for a while. And I worked for a company that ended up sitting me next to their IT business analyst. And when they sat me next to their business analyst, of course, you know, you chit chat, I'm a, I'm a chatty person. And so what do you do? And I'd never really heard of what a business analyst was before then. And, and they explained their role. They weren't a Salesforce business analyst. They, I think they were doing SAP, but it was the first time I had heard that job title and kind of felt that, wow, that seems like a lot of things that I had done in my previous role, even though I never actually called it business analysis before. And so uh, to be perfectly frank, I ended up doing a Google search and seeing, you know, throwing the word Salesforce in front of the words business analyst. And suddenly a career was born where I felt like there were roles out there that I thought I could be successful at. Whereas previously, I didn't think there were Salesforce roles out there that I could be good at. Sure. So you you initially kind of didn't really know the role of a business analyst. Um, you, you weren't sure what the responsibilities were. When you then started doing some research and found the role and found that this was, you know, potentially a career path. And then it, when you compare that to actually becoming a business analyst, were the responsibilities what you had expected? Like, what were you expecting to do day to day? And what did you end up actually doing day to day? It was a little bit of a mixed bag. The Salesforce business analyst career path wasn't even actually made official on the Salesforce website until November of last year. And I was looking for jobs, you know, definitely before then. So I would say Salesforce BA roles at the time were a bit of a mixed bag. I knew there was going to be a lot of business requirements gathering, and I knew there would be a lot of meetings involved. There was something about user stories. I was still trying to figure out how I was going to I, I had done some agile in, in my previous role, but I, I was still kind of, eh, I'm not so sure about the user story thing, but I knew there's going to be some user story writing. But then you get some of these roles, especially in the Salesforce world, where maybe the BA role hadn't been defined enough yet, where you'd see some roles that were like data analysis. There was also some roles that were asking for Apex or heavy configuration. And I think there is still some maybe refinement of the BA role that still needs to be done in the ecosystem. And maybe as Salesforce orgs get a little bit more mature, we will see a little bit more of uh, 
more defined roles as far as it comes to Salesforce business analysis. So I, I wasn't exactly sure other than I knew there's going to be requirements gathering. I know I'm going to be a bridge between technology and the business and how I'm going to be that bridge was kind of a little, I was like, maybe some administrative work, maybe some user stories. Yeah. I think it's an interesting role because you're right. Like I think a lot of people have a different opinion on what a BA does and, and often people will see it as part of a role. So, um, you know, you, if you speak to an admin, some admins will say that, yeah, I do business analysis as part of my job. And if you speak to a functional consultant, a lot of the time they are doing requirements gathering and writing user stories and then moving into the build. So, yeah, I think you're right. It kind of needs to be the right environment to be a true BA in the sense of, you know, what a BA does without not just being packaged in as part of someone else's job, I guess. And when you moved into the space, which skills that you already had from your years of, of working on the business side were actually transferable for you? For me, I would say the the biggest one was having empathy with my end users. I mean, as a business operations person, I mean, I spent every day of my job listening to people's problems and trying to solve them and trying to write them down and think of, of solutions. And so being able to talk to people and, and getting them to open up about the things that trouble them at their work was definitely my most transferable skill. Really one of the critical skills, I would say, of being a, a BA. You spend so much time getting to know people and then getting them to trust you enough so that they tell you the things that hurt them the most in their, their job, things that cause them pain. And that's not always the easiest to, to get somebody to talk about, especially mm-hmm. if it's, you know, it's their area of expertise, you know, to a certain extent, you're trying to get them to say, well, if you could have done this right, <laughs> you know, what would you have done differently? And, and that's not an easy conversation to have with a stranger sometimes. So for, for me, a big part was the, the people skills. And I would say also management and strategy. Um, I spent a lot of time in my BA roles doing strategy and overseeing any sort of admins or devs that might also be on a project, making sure that all the pieces are working together so that we can deliver quality work. So can anyone become a good BA in your opinion? Uh, That's probably a loaded question. I would say it depends. Like if you do have that empathy, I think that empathy is so important to be able to build that trust is so important. And, and if you're you're just going in to, to have a job, to make money, I don't know that you're going to be a good BA. If you don't have the stamina for five hours of meetings a day, it'll probably be challenging to, to be a good BA. If you don't like writing and writing and writing, it might be difficult to be a good BA. And then on top of that, it's also the communication skills. I know there are a lot of people that, would love to get into business analysis, but maybe struggle with some of the the communications. So maybe aren't strong writers or aren't a strong conversationalist. And that can be a problem, you know, especially if maybe English isn't their first language, you know, maybe there is some work to be done even at more basic levels before they they could become good bees. Because really a big fundamental part of the position is to be able to write requirements in a way that a business can understand and feels validated, like they understand that what you captured is what they want. And also that developers can look at those requirements and say, yes, I understand what the need is and I can build to it. How important is the technology knowledge then? So, I mean, there'll be lots of people out there that 
you know, may have been BAs in other technologies or, you know, might just be a career BA and, and thinks they can throw their hat in the ring for any kind of technology platform because the, the big aspects of the role are gathering requirements are, you know, making the user felt understood. So, so how important did you find it to then go deep with the technology and be a Salesforce BA and not just a BA on a Salesforce project? I have worked with BAs that have never used Salesforce before, and it's not impossible. But I will say that it is absolutely an advantage to have an understanding of the platform. I was listening to Ian Gotts from Elements Cloud, who is a really big champion of business analysis in in the Salesforce space. And I loved what he had said that by having a clear understanding of the platform, you're really, as a business analyst, coaching your stakeholders into understanding what's possible. So when I'm asking questions over the course of a meeting, I can already start envisioning in my head what that solution is going to be. Now, with Salesforce, because it is so versatile, it could be a solution that goes in a few different ways. So I can really, on the fly, kind of adjust my questions and get a better sense of which solution might end up being the best one. And it's even just like the little things, like, If you just have a BA who maybe isn't familiar with Salesforce, they might not think of certain questions to ask. So like when I'm getting requirements for custom fields, it's not just, hey, you know, okay, there's a field, what's the business need for it? It's also, okay, tell me who should be able to see it. Tell me who should be able to edit it. You know, start thinking about the automation behind it. Start thinking about help text. Start thinking about the descriptions. Start thinking about validation rules. And I'm not necessarily going to say those things, but I can ask questions in a way where I can get the answers to those so that when the developers need to understand those answers, I can convey them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's just that, you know, knowing what's possible and what else a developer is going to ask you, I guess, right? Because if you just take that requirement and then you need to have the answers to the questions the developer or whoever's doing the build is going to ask you rather than just going back and forth between the developer and the business, because then could they do that anyway, right? If, if that's, uh, that's how it ends up. Absolutely. And that's really the thing is, again, with the communication, you want to make sure that the business feels heard and that the developers also have a clear understanding of what needs to be done. So you mentioned writing user stories. Like, is that the one part of the role that you don't enjoy so much? I love it. Really, I do. When I write a good user story and then it's, I mean, it's, it's like, weaving something into existence. You know, somebody speaks it to me and I can write it down and devs grab it and, and start making it and then I can demo it. Like that's, I mean, that's, there's, there's such a good feeling to make something come to, come to life. But I will say, especially when you're doing a lot of it day in and day out, it can sometimes like, you know, it's like that writer's block. It's like, oh God, like, I, I just don't want to write one more piece of documentation today. <laughs> sometimes you need to take a little bit of a break or um, maybe even just write like an outline of something and then fill in the details tomorrow just to kind of make it go a little easier. So some days are harder than others. Sure. So one thing I feel is pretty unique, but I've been kind of embedded in the Salesforce ecosystem for six years now. So I've not really seen anything else outside. And when I've asked other people about other technologies, I think it, it is fairly common in technologies to have like certifications and, you know, striving for the next level and defined career paths and things like that. But when you come from the business and you've come from an operational role and, and a senior operational and you've had executive positions in the past, but do you feel the expectation 
of learning and progressing and developing and growing and, and taking that next step in Salesforce is different to how you felt about your career progression when you were working in the business? When I was working in the business, I mean, I had my MBA, but there was really no expectation of career growth as far as certifications went. And when I ended up making that pivot into Salesforce, I'll be perfectly honest, nobody wanted to talk to me until I had that admin certification. I didn't really even get my admin certification until I think it was January, 2020. I had worked in Salesforce for years, but nobody wanted to talk to me until I had that certification. All of a sudden, you know, bringing the experience that I did have that was transferable, plus the certification, you know, my, my phone starts ringing. And that was the big differentiator. And, and it, getting that first one, I think a lot of times, especially when you're a pivoter, it can be a little scary, like, oh my God, what if I fail? Does this mean that I'm, I'm not good enough for this? And I think as you start accumulating um, certifications and start studying for things and you fail a few things along the way, you come to the understanding that a certification is not really an indicator of how great you're going to be at a role. Yeah. It's, it's only an indicator of how good you are at passing a test. And it kind of becomes fun after that. Like, I, I know that I can do a job well. And if I can get another certification on the side, like, all the better. It makes me a better consultant if, I'm, if I have a greater breadth of experience with the features of a product because I, I've studied them. Sure. But has it impacted, like, your... Like after, because I guess if you if you don't have certifications to study for, and if you know your role r relatively inside out, and you know if things aren't, you know, with with Salesforce having releases three times a year, so with the the regular releases, you have to keep on top of that, right? And there is this like thing about getting more certified and learning more, and and the the platform is so big. So have you had to like give up time in the evenings that you never had to give up before? Like, did you find that like? quite daunting at first or did you just throw yourself into it and enjoy it the fact that you do have to do more studying and you do have to you know keep up with this evolving platform a little bit of both I think once I made that pivot into Salesforce it almost became an obsession and once you really get into the community I mean yes I came into the community as a customer for years but I don't feel like I was really part of the Salesforce ecosystem until I really committed myself to the career. And once you start celebrating everybody else's wins, seeing everybody else's course of study, it really does help keep that motivation up. Yes. Is it extra hours? I mean, absolutely. I mean, I, I would say certainly even in the beginning, I was probably putting in an extra five to 10 hours a week of study time. I'm trying to almost catch up in a certain sense. But at the same time, I think a lot of that sense of, oh my God, am I ever going to catch up? Started fading away as I started getting more actual experience on full-time Salesforce project roles, due in large part to understanding that I could lean on my resourcefulness. I think being resourceful and knowing that I, giving up, honestly, it was, it was the being able to admit to myself that I'm never going to be able to know everything there is to know about Salesforce. And is that okay? Can I trust in my ability to find the answers and deliver something quality anyway? And the answer was yes, because I, I am resourceful. You know, whether it's Googling or whether it's speaking to other people in the Ohana, whether it's speaking to coworkers, I have enough resources in my back pocket as far as getting to understand how to, how to accomplish things uh, on the Salesforce platform that I, I'm not concerned about any Salesforce or business problem that somebody might throw my way to solve with Salesforce. Nice. Um, and talking of progression, you've recently moved into the solution architect role. Now, 
is that something you you had strived for and and did you have any kind of because it's been a relatively quick transition into that that world of architecture did you have any concerns or reservations about taking that leap I was terrified that was <laughs> I I don't I wouldn't say I moved into it as so much it moved into me I think it's pretty common in the Salesforce world to kind of get thrown in the deep end occasionally, um, especially if you do have a lot of transferable skills. You know, I had had executive roles before I, I was very used to speaking to clients. And I think business analysis really is foundational to successful outcomes in Salesforce business projects. So I'm grateful for the faith that my company had in me to successfully deliver something with the skills that I brought to the table. But to say I was uncomfortable would be an understatement. It was uh, it was very daunting, but again, it was the imposter syndrome that I came in with slowly melted away as I started leaning on that resourcefulness and being able to deliver each sprint a little better than the last, getting used to my team, gelling with the team, using those managerial skills that I brought. And also a lot of those empathy skills, you know, gaining that client's trust because they felt like I cared about them really went a long way as far as project success. And and how important has the continued support of your business been, not just like dropping you in a role and being like, right, we think you're ready, but actually like supporting that transition. How valuable has that been? Hugely valuable. I mean, when you're in a role that you're not comfortable with, it really is important to keep that open line of communication with management. And when you're resourcing a Salesforce project, I mean, it everybody's going to come in with a different skill set. And I, I have so much respect now for folks that actually resource Salesforce projects. Recruiters like yourself, I mean, it's got to be so challenging when you've got the business and all of a sudden you've got to find the team that's going to deliver it. And how, yeah. do, how do they all mesh? How do all their talents mix? You know, what do we need more of? So yeah, I, I would say in the beginning, I was a little stressed on the technical side because it's definitely not the skill set that I lean into the most. And so they found me a great tech lead who is kind of the yin to my yang on the project. So I get to handle a lot of the business analysis stuff, which is great and, and has been hugely beneficial for the SA role. I get to oversee the project. I, it's still my responsibility. I, I'm still their solutioning, but I have somebody who's going to be my right hand as far as any question I have, I'm not entirely sure. And it would take me three days to Google this. Like, can we just talk through this and brainstorm a bit and come up with something together? And that's awesome that I was able to have that conversation. And it wasn't like, oh, you just can't do everything yourself. Like they can find the team to build around me to support me. Awesome. And obviously you, you were aware of the Salesforce ecosystem before, but you've thrown yourself into it and made a success of it. And we are seeing more and more people that are kind of transitioning or looking to transition into the space. So Who's the ecosystem for? And are there any red flags that you see when when people are kind of popping up looking to make that transition as to you think, oh, you know, these people aren't doing it for the right reasons or, or might not be successful? I have been seeing a lot of folks lately, you know, in the last couple of years that I get it. There is that whole promise of riches in the Salesforce ecosystem, like, oh, you can get to a six-figure job in a year, you know, like, wow, all you need is your admin certification and the recruiters will just start calling. And it doesn't really work that way. Listen, I, I think sometimes folks come in maybe for financial reasons alone and end up falling in love with it because it really is rewarding work. And there are some great people that have come into the ecosystem, maybe not 
coming in because they love solving business problems, just coming in because they wanted to, you know, make better money without necessarily having a degree or something like that. But at the same time, if you have folks that are really just in it for the money, I think that's where you end up with, you know, maybe not great Salesforce orgs or orgs that maybe have bad technical debt or people kind of jumping into these volunteer projects just because they want to build up their resumes as opposed to having that, again, empathy and care for their end users and their clients. And so there's something to be said about really embracing that ecosystem because you can't learn everything about Salesforce. You just, you can't. And so you've got to find people to lean on. And if you're not going to commit yourself, at least to a certain extent on understanding where your resources are, then we're all going to struggle because we're going to be cleaning up your technical debt down the line. <laughs> Absolutely. And you have embraced it. So what, what have you enjoyed most since you've jumped over the, the fence and into the pure Salesforce world rather than being on the business side? And who, who so far has been a big help in your journey? Oh, goodness. There's been so many people that have been helpful. And I, and I think that's that's one of the great things is since the pandemic, jumping into this ecosystem has kind of gotten me a whole new friend set that I can enjoy online because we're all kind of stuck at home. And so we have all these trailblazer communities and all these workshops. And it's been really nice getting to know people and kind of like share our Salesforce obsession. You know, I've got an eight-year-old that's really into Pokemon cards and you should see like he and his little friends get really excited talking about, like, I get that way about Salesforce. So we can (laughs) get into a room and start talking Salesforce stuff. Like I'm excited to talk to you about Salesforce stuff. This is the stuff that gets me jazzed these days. You know, Salesforce is a lifestyle as some people call it, but uh, I don't think anybody has to get that extreme, but um, it, it has been a really, almost like a warm hug into the Ohana. As far as, Folks that have been really influential to me, uh, you know, I mentioned Ian Gotts before, uh, Tony V. Martin and the Salesforce Business Analyst Summit was a huge help when I first started. There, there are really not a ton of Salesforce BA resources out there. And that also means that people are just kind of, to a certain extent, figuring out how their job works because there aren't a whole lot of folks that have done it before. So the content creators out there doing it in that space were hugely important to me. And I also have to give uh, kudos to one of your former guests, you know, Bradley Rice, who started the Facebook group Salesforce for Everyone. He really, besides being so gracious with his time and really helping folks in their Salesforce careers, I'm not a talent stacker, but I love hanging with those folks, you know, that are all so enthusiastic about their Salesforce careers. It's really helped keep me motivated. And also, you know, having come from a managerial background, I think there's a part of my heart that really enjoys helping people in their careers. And I don't manage people anymore. I really mostly manage projects, but being able to have that platform almost to speak to these talent stackers or folks that are all kind of up and coming. And I've been in the ecosystem for so long has really kind of helped fill that hole in my heart. So I can help people in their careers. I have opportunities like being on the show. I can be a trailhead mentor. And that really does get me excited. You know, I love helping people professionally and also in their Salesforce careers. That's awesome. And I think that goes back to the point around doing it for the right reasons, right? Because when you talk about it, you can see how passionate you are. And, and you know, you didn't come into the ecosystem purely for for the money and that you could earn. You came in and, and you know, you, you truly have embraced it. So I think anyone that's listening or watching this that is kind of thinking about coming into the ecosystem or, or looking at how they could do it, I think you're a great example of, of how to approach it. And 
just just throw yourself in and, and add value and be seen as well I think you know that's it's it's hard initially right when you're looking for your first role and things it's it's hard to get visibility of, of your brand and and who you are and I think yeah it's, it's great that you've done that and uh, continue to do that and I'm sure you will continue and and how was Dreamforce before I know you've been before but this time as someone that was going to get the information as a, a Salesforce professional not a customer well I'm also a huge Foo Fighter fan so yeah. to be a foot away from Dave Grohl I mean don't get me wrong, Dreamforce was also amazing. <laughs> uh, it was it was kind of, I, I was described it as like a family reunion or like meeting a hundred of my newest internet friends all at the same time, just because I had really gotten into the community, but hadn't met anybody before Dreamforce. So sure. getting to hug people and geek out about Salesforce for days, you know, it was like my version of Comic-Con, you know, but, but, but like Salesforce, yeah, <laughs> it, was, nice. it, was, it was so great. And actually, I just wanted to touch on something you said uh, a little earlier about you know, going in for the right reasons. I think another important thing to consider would be make sure that you're going into an area of Salesforce where you can be successful. We talked about, you know, what success looks like in a BA role. And I think maybe some people maybe lean towards certain areas of Salesforce, like maybe solution architect or developer, just because they do see that maybe they get paid the most. I think it's really important that there's room for everybody. There's so many skill sets that are involved in completing those Salesforce projects and implementing those features. Find that role where you can be successful. There's money everywhere. But if you can find that role that fulfills you that you can be good at, perfect. Chef's kiss. Yeah, 100%. I, like it, it's really interesting when people ask me, what certification should I do next? As if there's like this you know, standout certification that's going to get everyone hired or, or get like the reality is you need to enjoy the work that you're doing. So if you don't enjoy CPQ, there's no point in pursuing the CPQ certification or, you know, because you don't want to work with CPQ day to day if you don't enjoy it. Same as marketing cloud. Like, yeah, I think like having a knowledge of the different platforms is interesting and, and it's valuable, but really you should be pursuing the career that you're looking to achieve and, and pursuing the areas that actually interest you and are going to captivate your interest for a long period of time rather than just like, just chasing things just in the hope that they will bring more value and more money. How have you found like targeting certifications and things like that? Like, do you go after what's of interest to you? I personally, I'm always chasing a certification just because it helps me keep my pace studying. But, uh, and, and being in consulting, I do like knowing the feature sets of, of all the major clouds. I think that's, that's really helpful because as a consultant, it's like, oh, you know, I'm thinking about this thing. I'm thinking about this thing. And if I can speak about it intelligently, it's always going to help me. But when, when I'm talking to people, as far as helping them out with their Salesforce careers, it it really depends on, on which direction they're going. The, the certification path that I'd recommend, I, I, that's not a one size fits all. And, and sometimes you, you just take a few just to see if you like it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also it's like, well, where do you have knowledge, right? Because if you don't, if you've never worked with marketing cloud and and like that probably shouldn't be your next cert if all you've ever done is sales cloud, but you don't have your sales cloud cert yet, like use your experience, use the the path that's going to be the easiest for you to get the certification and then, you know, grow from there. Because yeah, I, I think a lot of people have this perception that, you know, the more certs you get, the more jobs you'll have and the more money you'll earn and, and just going after every cert or, or picking a certain cert that's going to open the door to a number of opportunities. And, and in my experience, like, yes, you're right about having the admin cert that started conversations, but whether you'd gone for sales cloud or service cloud next probably wouldn't have meant you would have got a job or not. It just shows that, you know, you've got some experience in that space or you've studied that. Um, I don't think necessarily having a specific cert is going to open a, a specific door unless it's a really, really specialized industry or, or consultancy that, you know, have that specialism. 
I, I totally agree with you. Awesome. And you do give back. You give up your time. You're here today. So thank you for that. But if anyone does want to reach out and pick your brains, which platform is best for you? I probably spend the most time on Twitter these days, uh, RL Vanessa Grant. I'm also real Vanessa Grant on LinkedIn. I'm really active on LinkedIn as well. I just, maybe you'll get a little more of the personal flavor on the the Twitter stuff or my day-to-day gripes with Salesforce when I, you know, run into walls or issues with my project or get excited about stuff that I, I, m- I might not, you know, woohoo, I'm working on opportunities today on LinkedIn so much, but uh <laughs> Yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah, I've seen that. Uh, that's where I saw some of your stuff about writing uh, user stories as well. So, uh, so yeah, you get the real uh, Vanessa on on uh, Twitter for sure. <laughs> the uncensored version. That's it. That's it. Well, thank you so much. Pleasure to chat, and uh, look forward to keeping in touch. Thank you. It was great meeting you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talent Hub Talk. If you're enjoying the podcast, we'd love it if you could subscribe and also leave a short review. Um, We're keen for this podcast to reach as many people in the Salesforce ecosystem as possible, and your reviews will help us do that.